good to be back with you after being gone a couple of weeks. We, uh, I found out something about you guys when I was away. Uh, people everywhere are just like you. They are. Uh, I was in a church. I w we actually visited Virginia. Somebody asked us how was our vacation, and my wife, just to give you an answer to that, this is for everybody to ask that question, uh, we spent eight days visiting family. It's not considered a vacation. Okay? It was all right. It was good, but, you know. So my wife and I flew to Virginia, where we're from, if you haven't figured that out for a long time, um, to Roanoke um, last week or a couple of weeks ago. And, and uh, I, I, someday I'll have to tell you the story about how we got there. We didn't get, there, we didn't get where we were supposed to be anyway. But um, that's airline flight for you anyway. But uh, we spent a few days there. And then last Sunday we, went to, we were in Richmond, Virginia, visiting with Vicki's family, uh, parents, and they took us to a church there. That's uh, called Cool Springs Baptist Church. What a cool name, Cool Springs. And uh, we went there. It's an older traditional church that has transitioned. Uh, it's one of the few that's transitioned and been successful. And um, we got there, and they were having one of their two contemporary services in the, in the uh, uh, multipurpose place. And it was about, it's as big or bigger, it's bigger than this. And uh, we were there about 10 minutes before the service. We walked in, you know, there's nobody in the room. I mean, literally, it's like five people. And I know this church runs a bunch, you know. And then five minutes till, there was like 30 people in the room. Exactly on the hour, the room filled up. <laughs> just like you guys. That's what I learned, that you're just like you everywhere you go. You know, so by the time the service started, it was four or 500 folks in a room. I don't know where they all came from all at one time, how they got through the door. But they did some way. So it was interesting. So it was good. This morning was kind of like, uh, we're going to start a series next week, which we're going to be talking about. You've heard all that already called Not a Fan. And I would encourage you to do two things. And we're going to hear a lot more about this today in the message. But uh, two things. Number one, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of this book, Not a Fan. We have them in the lobby. You can buy it for five bucks. It's what a deal. You know, uh, we found these. We found these there. Am I still on? Yes, okay, good. All of a sudden, it just kind of whoop, you know, and it's never know what sound. And uh, so you can pick one of these up and read this. Uh, between now and next Sunday, you need to read chapters 1 through 7, by the way, okay? Then after that, it's only like one chapter a week. But, you know, it's just everything in the front end. It's kind of front end loaded. And secondly, join a small group, uh, which uh, we'll, uh, most of our groups will be doing uh, some video stuff that goes along with Not a Fan. You heard Brian and Tanya did a great job of sharing how they sat down to preview the videos and ended up watching the whole six sessions at one setting, which actually it's 30 minutes of video. So three hours. Wow. What troopers. And uh, so they did that. So do that as well. So today, though, I want to talk about one of the reasons, and Chris talked about this a little bit, a different reason last week, but I want to talk about a reason uh, why you need to be connected with people in community. Uh, there are a few things I wish I could, if I could do this, just snap my fingers that I could do that and it would just something would happen for you guys. Uh, two or three things as a pastor that I wish could happen for you. One is that maybe uh, you'd have the opportunity someday, if you've not already had this, and many of you have had this opportunity, to experience the baptism of, of, of a family member or a friend that you had the opportunity to share your faith with. I, there is nothing in life about some, seeing somebody step across a line and come to Christ. I've seen tears in people's eyes. I've seen the emotions that are there. A few weeks from now, we're having baptism. And so, uh, you know, the thing is, is that I would, it's, it's the, one of the greatest experiences. I wish everyone could have that and understand what it means to feel that way, to see somebody step across the line. So that's one thing I wish for all of you, that everyone here could experience that. 
A second thing is that that you would trust God with all of your possessions, that your possessions would not possess you, that you would live uh, the things that we teach, that the Bible teaches, that you would, you would give first, save second, live on the rest, and, and get out of debt. Give first, save second, live on the rest, and get out of debt. That your possessions wouldn't possess you. Uh, that, you that we would be known as a church of people that are generous beyond means. And, and I think we're doing well, but we, you know, we can always grow in that area. So that's what the second thing I wish for all of us, because we have such a struggle with that in our culture. And the third thing I wish for all of us is that all of you would be in a small group. That all of you would be in a small group. If I could snap my fingers and make it happen for all of you, that all of you would be in some kind of a structured community, a, a small group. And the reason for that is because we believe that circles, and I think Chris talked about this last week, circles are better than rows. Circles are better. We believe that circles are better than rows. I mean, you're sitting in rows right now. You know, and we believe it's better that you're in circle face-to-face with other people. And last week, Chris talked about the whole thing of bridging the gap between the, the, the information that you get in a big room like this and the transformation that Scripture is supposed to do in your life. It is supposed to change who you are, not just learn stuff, but do stuff. And so in circles, what you can do is you can talk about the stuff that you can't feedback. I can't talk with you guys on Sunday morning. I mean, we can't have the feedback part. And so that's one of the things that we believe. The circles are better than rows. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Why you need to be in a circle if you're not in a circle. If you are in a circle, praise God. I thank you for it. But uh, here's a promise. Uh, There's a promise from Jesus in Scripture uh, that should concern us. There's a verse that I was reading a while back that I thought about that will never make be one of those calendar verses, those refrigerator verses you put up, you know, the favorite verse, you know, of all time. This is not one of them. This is not one of them, okay? If you have your outline this morning, you pull out it out and we'll have the information in there. In Luke 17, 1, this is what Jesus said. Jesus says to his disciples, his closest followers, he says this, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Isn't that warm and fuzzy? Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. And he says, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It's always interesting when you, uh, that's, I guess it's one advantage of going to a seminary and studying Greek, Greek language. In the Greek language uh, that the New Testament was written in, Koine Greek, the thing is, is they always put the most important word in Koine Greek at the first part of a sentence. It's not structured the same way our language. If you study languages, you know different cultures stru- structure language in a different way. But in the Koine Greek, uh, they kind of uh, always put the most important word first in a sentence. And, and when I looked at how this actually means, this, this, this scripture in the original languages, I began to understand where Yoda speak comes from. Y'all remember Yoda, right? Uh, Star Wars, Yoda, okay? This is what it says. This is what it literally says in Yoda speak, or actually in the Greek. It says, impossible it is. Hear Yoda speak there? Impossible it is for stumbling blocks not to come. Impossible it is. The most important word is the, it's impossible. Impossible is what he emphasized. It's impossible for you to live life without there being things coming into your life, things thrown at you in your life that might trip you up. And Jesus says, this came from Jesus, it's a promise. So we need to take it seriously. It's not something we want to see happen, but he says it is impossible to live your life in such a way that no matter who you are, that 
you will not stumble. The word to stumble there, the, the, the Greek word to stumble, scandalon, literally means a trap. But figuratively, Jesus is talking about it here. He says this, it means this. Anything that leads one to act contrary to a proper course of action or set of beliefs. To stumble. See, Jesus was talking about the things that come into our life that cause us to stumble. And, and when he was talking about these things, he was talking about people, relationships, the things that tend to blindside our faith that cause us to go in a direction that we wouldn't want to go. And when that happens to us, the next thing we know, out of, out of nowhere, what happens is, is something has happened with our intimacy with God. And the next thing we know that we're not quite as involved in, 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 regard, in, in community with others and, and all the things. There, there's a lot of things that cause people to stumble. But the thing I want you to hear today is this. As smart as you are, and I believe you're a bunch of smart people, as mature as you are, and I believe there's a lot of people here who are very mature, as spiritual as you are, and some of you are very, very spiritual, as much of the Bible as you know, and some of you know more Bible than I do, in spite of all of that, Jesus says it's impossible for you to get through life without at some point in your life something being thrown in your way that has the potential to cause you to stumble. And if we think that we're above stumbling, I think we're the ones in the greatest danger. Because I know people of all walks of life who have stumbled. Pastors, leaders, all kind of people who have stumbled in their lives. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Some, uh, you know, sometimes we stumble because it's usually uh, many times through people, through relationships. That's kind of the implication of the second half of the verse that we looked at in, in Luke there, that there will be a someone or someones who will probably unintentionally draw you away from your commitment to God. Many of us know that's what happens. We want to go, go away to college, and we start new relationships. And those relationships, even though maybe in high school we were close to God, we, we were drawn away in a different direction because of people that come into our lives. Or we move to a new city, and when we go to a new city, the things that are there, the, the, the change in the people that we hang with becomes, causes us to go in a different direction in life. Sometimes the thing that draws us away from God, that causes us to stumble, the Bible says it's money, and it's the opportunities that money brings. You, you've heard of the term, the deceitfulness of riches? You know what the deceitfulness of riches means? It means that riches will deceive you. Boy, isn't that profound. Y'all came to hear that one today, right? And it's really not that complicated. It deceives you. The problem with riches, it deceives us into thinking that we're smarter than we are. In our American culture, we think that the more money a person has, the smarter they are. We know that's not true, right? How many of you know, we, uh, us know people, don't raise your hands. How many of us know people that have a lot of money but just aren't too smart? just are dumb sometimes. How many of us know people that don't have much but are very intelligent, are very smart, very, very, very intelligent people? See, wealth is deceitful, and we think so often, and we treat people that way. Anybody, you know, we constantly, just look at our culture. Who do they interview on TV? Movie stars? Like they really know something? Why? Because they have money. NBA basketball players or football, NFL football players, you know, what do you think of the state of the economy, you know? 
Because you have money, you're smart. No! No, that's not the deal. See, we have this deceitfulness of riches. In the Bible, Jesus even said in the Bible, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom than it is for a poor man. Remember that? And we're going, wait a minute. I mean, you know, if that's rich, does that mean that God blessed them? And Jesus is going, well, you just don't understand what wealth really is. See, wealth comes with opportunity, doesn't it? It gives you options. I was, we were on a plane coming back from, from Roanoke uh, Thursday. And uh, right behind my wife and I, right behind us was this couple. And it was hilarious, the conversation they were having. They were, you, you know, you can't help but hear it. Yeah, we weren't trying to, you know, be creepers or anything. But the thing was is that, you know, they were talking loud enough to hear everything they were saying. They were just coming back from some vacation somewhere. And what their conversation was about is where they were going next on the next vacation. Well, I think we should go to Belize. Well, you know, we've been to Belize twice, you know, but, you know, and they go through this whole conversation. Literally, that's what they were talking about. And I'm going like, really? I mean, obviously they have money because uh, they have options, you know, and that's their whole conversation on the flight was about, you know, for an hour and a half, I had to listen to them talk about all the places they might go and might not go and where they've been and where they've not been. I don't care where they've been. But see, it gave them options. See, sometimes it's wealth gives you options. It doesn't make you smart. It can be a deceiver. It can deceive you. It can, it can lead you. It can take you off track and cause you to stumble in your relationship with God. There's a scripture. How many of you ever pray scripture? You know what I'm talking about? You have a scripture that you take it and you pray it. Anybody do that? There's a scripture that I pray fairly regularly. It's in Proverbs 30. Actually, there's several scriptures in Proverbs 30 that I pray, but this is in particular something that goes along with it. In Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9, it says, Keep falsehoods and lies from me. And then it's what it says. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? See, it can cause us to stumble. Riches can. It says it right there. See, wealth can be a distraction. It can be a distraction. But the flip side is hard times in this thing. It says never give, give, give me neither wealth nor poverty. Because sometimes hard times causes us to stumble as well. The, the second part of that verse is, is this. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of, the God, of my God. See, Jesus promised us that we'd have trouble. Remember that in John? John chapter 16 verse 33 says in this world will come trouble. You will have tough times. You will have things that will cause you to stumble. Trouble sometimes dings our faith. It, sometimes it distracts us. Sometimes the unexplainable things happen to us. Sometimes when difficult times, it makes you wonder, has God given up on me? Is that not true? Sometimes when we're going through difficult times, it causes us to question God. It's part of being real and being human that we go through these difficult times. You know, sometimes when life has been pretty even killed, it's whatever, all of a sudden something, the world falls apart, and we're going, well, I've prayed harder than ever prayed, or I've, I've went to church more consistently than I've ever been to church, and I read my Bible more than I've ever read my Bible, and things got worse rather than better, and so we start questioning God. So it's hard times sometimes can lead us away as well. So this one, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Do you think, do all of you think that it is possible for you or your spouse or your kids 
to have something to come into your life that would cause you to stumble and cause you to turn away from God. I do. Because I've seen it happen with many, many, many people. See, every single one of you, every single one of us, me included, there is something out there that if thrown in our way at the inopportune time has the potential to take us out. It takes us out when it comes to our faith. It takes us out when it comes to our personal relationship with God. It can take us out in terms of our confidence in God. Jesus says that's going to be the case. There will be things that come into our life that will cause us to stumble if we're not careful. There are things that are going to come. He says impossible it is. Impossible it is for you not to at some point encounter a stumbling block. So why am I telling you this? Thing? Here's the connection about what I'm talking about today. Here's why it's so important as it relates to my desire for you to be in circles in a group. You see, it's easy to stumble out of church. Why? Because church is a habit we do. It's something we do on a regular basis, and any habit's easy to stumble out of. I mean, how many of you decided you're going to work out this year? And it worked for about three months, two months, one month, two weeks, whatever, and you stumbled right out of that one. It's really easy. I'm going to eat better. Until I go buy a restaurant that I like something really good at. I'm going to do, you know, whatever. See, it's easy to stumble out of a personal relationship with God. You know, some people, some, some people will come and kind of like confess like I'm a priest or something. And they'll come to me and say, Bill, I, don't, I just don't read my Bible as much as I used to. I don't pray as much. You know, I just, it's easy to stumble out of those type of habits that we have in our life. But the thing is, it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. When you're connected with people, if you're in a group of people who are doing life together, and, and small groups are not just, let me, say, here, let me hear this, they're not just Bible study groups. It's, that's one of the things we do in a small group, but one of the purposes of small groups is to build relationships with people so that in our, in our, in our groups we get to know each other and we, we live life together literally. That's what small groups are supposed to be like. And I know many of them function that way. I know that many small groups are, are places where people, when something is going on in somebody's life, people will get in their other person's face in a good way and hold them accountable. See, it's very difficult to stumble out of community because real community won't let you go that easily. It's kind of like a family. You know, if your kid doesn't show up someday at the house, you're going like, well, just too bad. No, you don't do that, you know. You, make, you go find out where they are. So the connection here uh, is actually this. It's this the, the wisest man in the world, other than Jesus Christ, who didn't take his own advice, and he, he, he got that way because and his name was Solomon, and he got rich and powerful. He didn't think he had to listen to anyone. He didn't take his own advice. But this is what he said in Ecclesiastes 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It's called synergy. Synergy is when two things put together cause a greater outcome than just in the individuals together. It's not a sum. It's some kind of way it just gets bigger. It's like something about, I don't know how this works, but two oxen, it says, talks about, or if you put one oxen and one oxen, they can only carry so much load, but two together can carry more than two, two times the load. I don't know how that works, but that's just how it works in, in reality. Solomon gave us the reason that he eventually messed up. 
He said two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Then he says, if they fall down, they can help each other up. If they stumble or trip, somebody notices and stops to help them up. But, then he says this, but, 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 you know, there's always the but. You know, you know, this will happen, whatever, you know, it's great. But he says this, pity those who fall and have no one to help them up. But pity those who fall and have no one to help them up. And the toughest cause, I'll just tell you this, just be honest with you. In ministry, the toughest calls that we ever get on the phone here uh, at the church are from spouses and parents who want, want help with a spouse or a child who has fallen. Get a f- call from a, a, a lady. She says, can you call my husband and talk? Uh, can you call my, my husband or a wife? Uh, or a, a husband says, can you call my wife? And, and you know one of the first questions we always ask them when they call and say, hey, can you help this? The first question I ask is this. Are they in a group? That's the first question I ask. It sounds like a strange question, right? No, it's not. Because if in the group they're, they're, they're known, they have a relationship with people. And, and that rela- most of the time, if they're in a group, we don't even get a call. Because in the group they can work through the things and they can deal with some of the issues that are there. And if they're calling us, it's because the answer is probably no, they are not in a group because there is no one to help. And if there's no one to help, there is usually, let me just be honest with you, there's usually not a whole lot we can do as a church because we don't have a staff relationship with everybody in the life of the church. I cannot have a relationship with six, seven, eight hundred people that come to Great Oaks on a regular basis. But in our small group, you can have a relationship with 10 to 12 to 15 people. I have a relationship with about 10 to 12 guys that meet on Saturday morning. I have a relationship with those guys. I know that we, we kind of encourage one another. We, we talk with one another. And when I see them here in the hallways, you know, we have some, some relational stuff that we can connect with. How's it going with you and your wife? You know, we share it in a group. Or how's it going with your kids? Or, or what's going on? You know, we do that kind of thing. I can't do that with everybody. And that's why it's so important for us to be connected with people because a relationship It's where stumbling people get the help they need. And it doesn't happen in rows. It only happens in circles. And there's another problem as well. Here's the other problem. When you stumble, you know something that's that's true. When you stumble, people don't want the people closest to them to help them sometimes. Like, here's the problem. When you stumble, you won't listen to your spouse. If you're having a problem, what do you do? You know, it's always coming to somebody else. Some, and when, you're, when you stumble, if you're a kid, you won't listen to your parents. You won't. You know, for some strange reason, when, when we stumble, we don't want to be helped back up. It's, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine here laying on the ground. Just, just leave me alone. I'll be all right. Because we want to act like everything's fine with us. But here's the big deal. When you stumble in the ways that we're talking about, when you stumble in regard to your faith, when you stumble in regard to whatever happens in your life, families so often are almost useless. And you need other people around you who will be there that you can talk to in your life. You don't listen to your parents. You don't listen to your husbands. You don't listen to your wives. 
Pity the man, pity the woman, pity the, the, the fourth grader, pity the middle schooler, pity the, the high schooler, pity, pity the college freshman who when they stumble are not connected to someone in a relationship who has access to their life in such a way and has the relational skills that's needed to be had and has the stick to itness that needs it to stop and say, you know what, I'm going to stick with you until we get through this. Pity the person who does not have that in their lives. Because when you stumble, this is the next slide, when you stumble, you will need most what you desire least. Someone to have a relational credibility and access. Somebody who will not let you go e- easily. And where do you get those? When you stumble, if you've not developed it beforehand, it's a problem. It's a problem. But if you've great, laid the groundwork relationally, if you've gotten connected to some people that, can be, be, that will be there for you and refuse to give up on you, I'm telling you, I've been in situations where that happens. I know that there's situations in the life of the church where some of you in your small groups, you've had people in your group go through tough times and you have not given up on those people. You said, hey, you need to go through counseling and we'll pay for it as a group. You, you need to do this and we'll take care of that. you you just not given up on people. And that doesn't happen. Once you stumble, you have to have built a relationship. You have to have that relational connection before that happens i've known people that you know uh, i remember one guy coming to me and say would you tell my small group to leave me alone literally came that told me this i said what are you talking about he said they just keep calling me they just keep calling me and they keep asking how i'm doing and i asked i looked at him and said how are you doing he walked away didn't say anything Enough said. The issue, the issue is, is that pity the individual who doesn't have that connection in their life. See, when you need it, when, when you're, and you're going to need it, and you're going to want it, you're not going to want what you really need when you, go, when you stumble in life because we tend to push away. We tend to want to be individ, rugged individualists in America. That's why we want you in a group. Because the best preparation that you can have for the times in life when you will stumble, and as Jesus says once again, you will have those times when things come into your life. The best preparation you can make for the inevitability of stumbling blocks is to be connected relationally. Because you can stumble out of church, you can stumble out of out of your quiet time, you can stumble out of your faith, you can stumble out of belief, but it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. You have to make an effort. You have to say, well, you know, I'm changing my number, I'm changing my address, don't call me anymore. You know, that's a, a, a decision. It's not something we usually just stumble with as well. So, and if you've not laid the groundwork ahead of time for these kind of relationships, they will not be there when you need them most. They will not be there when you meet, need them most. Um, parents, let me just say this. This is a side. I'm a parent now of, of, two, of two grown kids, two grandkids now. And I will tell you this. If your kids are not connected relationally when they're young, if you wait to get them connected by the time they're in the 10th grade, it's probably too late, just to be honest with you. 
They need to be connected. They need to be in small groups. We believe that small groups happen not just in adults here, but we have small groups in our kids back there in, in, in the kids' town right now. Their kids are not only meet in a large group setting, but they meet in a small group setting where they can get the, the leaders can get to know them. In middle school and in high school, we have small groups as well where people can be known and get to know others as well. That's why we say circles are more important than rows. It's important for us to understand. Now, if that will convince you what, what Solomon says, that two are better than one, that pity the person, and I always think, when I think of that, I think of Mr. T, pity the fool. Um, let me just try one more thing before we close. I want you to imagine for a moment some scenarios. Let me just imagine some scenarios. Imagine if, imagine if, for those of you who come from broken homes that your parents were divorced, imagine if your parents, your father, your mother, were, were relationally connected to some people in their lives that when they began to go through the down and they started to get stumbling in their life somewhere along the way, I'm not saying whose fault it was, if they'd had people in their lives who would look at them and said, what you're doing is wrong. And we're going to stick with you, and we're going to we're going to we're going to be there for you, just to keep you from stumbling. How different would your life be today if they'd had that kind of relational connectedness in their life? Now, I'm not saying it would have saved the marriage, but in many cases, it would have. It wouldn't have escalated. It never starts like I'm going to get a divorce. It starts with. Small stumble and a larger one and a larger one and a larger one down the road. Imagine what would have happened if someone had been there and said, You're not, I'm not going to allow you to affair your way out of your family or, or medicate your way out of your family. Imagine how much different life growing up might have been for some of you. Imagine what it would have been like if you were in the 10th grade and you had been connected with a group of kids and some leaders, some adult leaders who cared and who, who really believed in you. What if you'd have had some other adult voices in your life when you were in high school? And, and, and let me just be honest with you. The reason that's important is because most of us think in high school that our parents are idiots. We do. I mean, they're the smartest people who ever lived now. But when we were 16, it was like, if you were a girl, it was like when your parents said something, you'd go, <coughs> and roll your eyes. Y'all seen it before, right? Or if you're a guy, you just had an attitude. What if you'd have had some other adult voices in your life that you trusted that, that you thought were, you know, they're, they're older, but they're mature and they're cool? Maybe not as cool as I am, but, you know, they're cool. And they came alongside you when you began to stumble and, and they were there for you. Can you imagine how much different your life would have been and some of the less, less number of mistakes you would have made if you'd have had somebody in that kind of connection as you grew up? Or when you were in college, if you'd had that kind of same accountability and that kind of structure, when all the stuff in the college years kind of comes at you and all of a sudden you have all these options and all this freedom. 
that you never had before. Can you imagine what it would have been like? For some of you, you went through a first marriage, a second marriage, and now you're somewhere in between. And you think back to the first marriage and and you think, well, maybe a lot of it was my fault or maybe it wasn't my fault. But the issue is, you know, if you had somebody in your life or the life of your ex-husband or ex-wife who had the kinds of relationships we're talking about and they would look at you and said, you know, and your wife comes to you and says, honey, I says, I'm going to go out and go dancing with my friends without you. And you're thinking she's losing her mind. But her friends are going, the one she has who wants to do this, she goes, they go, oh, yeah, this is cool. Let's go out and do this. But she has people in her life would look at her and who loved her and said, you know, that is not a smart thing to do. Go dancing with a bunch of other ladies somewhere out without our husbands who would just be honest with them and, and love them that much to confront them with that. Solomon said, pity on the person that when inevitable stumbling blocks come that Jesus talks about, pity the person who when they trip and they fall, there was no one there that has the relationship there to make sure that once they're down, they can be picked back up and they don't stay down for the count. That is why at Great Oaks, we don't want you to simply attend church. We don't want you just to show up on Sunday mornings. It's not enough. It's not enough. I want you to be in community. I want your children to be in groups. I want your middle schooler students to be in groups. I want your high school students to be in groups. And some of you have had, you know, been in a group in the past. You had a bad experience. And I just want to say, so what? I mean, how many of you ever had a bad haircut? <laughs> Lit, real little. Everybody, anybody here ever had a bad haircut, okay? Did you quit getting haircuts because you had a bad haircut? Any of you here ever go to a doctor and have a bad experience? Did you quit going to doctors? No, you went to another one. See, sometimes things happen. So I'm just telling you, put your big boy pants on. And and after the service today, there's going to be people at these tables back here. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we left out Friday. I think we have a men's group on Friday, but... If you want to go on Friday to see somebody, Saturday and Sunday, we do have some groups, and we don't know if we, you know, which groups that are there. We have a bunch of groups of different days, but there's some place that you can fit in. About 85% of the people here have awesome experiences with groups. They do. 15%, eh. Guess what? We're human. And so because you've had one bad experience, every time... You know, I love people that every time they, they, I say something about groups, they'll start telling me their story. Well, back in 1987, I went to a group. And you love to tell your story, what it was like. You know what I'm thinking in my mind? Who cares? Grow up. Get over it. That's how important it is to me. I'll, I'll be obnoxious about this. You need to be in community. I don't care who you are because stumbling will happen. Jesus guarantees it. Blocks will come in your way. And if you're standing there by yourself with no one there to help you up, no one there to point out the problem, no one there to care for you, what's going to happen is the stumble will take you deeper and deeper away from your faith. We want you in circles. Because at the end of the day, 
When stumbling blocks come and when you're down, we want someone there to help you stand. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.